When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. As we build toward the celebration of the 100th anniversary of BGSU football, we turn back the clock to the 1960s on this episode of the Ziggy Cast. This is the BGSU Ziggy Cast from Learfield, your home for Falcons updates, interviews, previews, and highlights. Now, here is your host, Todd Walker. Thanks for being with us. A new episode of the Ziggy Cast in conjunction with the ongoing celebration of 100 years of BGSU football. We will turn back the clock to the 1960s. Of course, we'll have the official 100th anniversary of BGSU football coming up later this season on October 12th when the Falcons host the Toledo Rockets. And the BGSUFalcons.com website has been going over each decade of BGSU football, with the first year being 1919. And this week, we're all the way up now to the 1960s. Of course, it was a transformative time, really, for BGSU football, as the program was coming off the 1959 National Championship in the college division under Coach Doit Perry. And Coach Perry remained the head coach through 1964 with a very high level of success, 
Then one of his assistants, Bob Gibson, took over. And then it was Don Nealon for the last two years of the decade. And unfortunately, as time went on, Bowling Green sort of slipped back from the very top of the Mid-American Conference in the latter half of the 60s, but was still very competitive. And Coach Nealon took the team into the 70s. In fact, coached from 1968 through 1976, a nine-year run before Denny Stoltz came in. Coach Nealon had a lot of success, but never a MAC championship. A, a typical year would be six and four or seven and three, but a lot of great players and great memories nonetheless. And we will visit with Coach Nealon coming up also as a way to turn back the clock to the 1960s. We will get with Phil Villapiano, one of the most colorful players in BGSU history, and get some of his thoughts and remembrances. We'll start with Coach Don Nealon, however. I had a chance to visit with Coach Nealon back in September of 2011. It was on the occasion of Bowling Green playing at West Virginia. Of course, Coach Nealon was the longtime head coach at West Virginia in the 80s and 90s and remains a fixture there in Morgantown. With that as your context, here's how our interview went back in September of 2011. My interview began by asking him about the week's happenings leading up to that game that day, and it was a fundraising time for Coach Nealon and the West Virginia football program. We had a golf outing today, or I mean yesterday, and uh, and also a dinner last night, and they raised uh, right around a million dollars which is a pretty good chunk, and uh, they're going to endow quarterback scholarships, and they're going to call them the Don Nealon Quarterback Scholarship. So they're going to, the quarterbacks that receive scholarships from now on will be under my name. Well, it's, uh, I guess, kind of full circle because your collegiate career began as a quarterback for Doit Perry here at BGSU. Uh, let's go back to those days because you were – Doit's first quarterback, but of course, so you were when you came to Bowling Green. He was not the head coach; it was uh, Coach Whitaker at that time, correct? Right, that's exactly right. I played uh, on the freshman team for uh, uh, Forrest Creason, and uh, Bob Whitaker was our head coach. And things were not going very well at Bowling Green at that time. Uh, Bob Whitaker was absolutely a great, great football coach, but you know he was starting to. Uh, he was older. And he didn't really believe in recruiting, and uh, recruiting had started to become in the name of the game, so to speak. And anyhow, they replaced uh, Coach Whitaker with Doit Perry from Ohio State, and he came in and he just overwhelmed everybody. Uh, what Doit did for that school is just unbelievable. When Doit got there, they just started to win. He had, uh, you know, Doit was amazing when he came in. He looked less like a coach. He acted less like a coach, and he was the best coach in the country. Uh, he was just an unbelievable personality. Uh, every guy on the team fell in love with him. Doit uh, brought in some great coaches. One of them was Bo Schembechler, the, the legendary Michigan coach and Miami of Ohio coach. And uh, all the guys just got excited about playing football, and he turned the program immediately. To buttress your point, Coach Nealon, the two previous teams went 3-15. and 15. And then in Doit's first year, 7-1-1, one, and one. that was your sophomore year. Of course, in those days, uh, freshmen did not even have the chance to play varsity. So as a sophomore to be uh, on the team, and I guess you were, were you the backup quarterback the first year there? 
I don't remember exactly, but I know I, I started most of the games. I, I think Jim got hurt some, but uh, I, I started probably, of the, I guess we played nine or ten games back then. I probably started 75 to 80% of them. But I think maybe had Jim not gotten hurt, maybe I wouldn't have started that many. I don't know. Coach, you went on to play two more years for Dwight Perry. 21-2-4 was the cumulative record during your three years on the varsity squad. And then you uh, left Bowling Green for a while, but you returned as an assistant coach under Coach Gibson, right? Right. I I went and I coached high school football. I was the coach at uh, Mansfield in Canton South and Canton McKinley. And I spent a year at the University of Cincinnati, and uh, when Gibby got the job, he uh, somehow persuaded me to take a pay cut to come back to Bowling Green. <laughs> and as a defensive coach, I said, Gibby, I'm an offensive coach. What do you want me to coach your defense for? He says, you're a coach. You can coach anything. So anyhow, I ended up coming back and coached the defense for Gibb, and um, Bob Gibson was a great coach. Learned a lot of football from him, and of course, uh, you know, at that time we all taught school. It was a different situation. Uh, Deutsch staff taught, Gibby staff taught. With that first year you were an assistant, then then the next year you became the head coach. Uh, talk about the, the transition there and how it all came about that uh, Coach Gibson was not there anymore and you took over as head coach in 68. Yeah, I was 32 years old. and I was the youngest head football coach in America at that time, and uh, – Things were things were pretty tough at uh, Bowling Green at that time. You know, Doit had great, great, great success. Gibby had real good success, but we didn't have much money to recruit, and uh, the league was starting to change. Uh, they were changing head coaches, and they, and they were not teaching school, and they they were able to spend all their time with recruiting and, and coaching football. And Bob Gibson just decided he wasn't going to coach anymore and was going to go into pro football. And lo and behold, I end up with the job. And uh, we were we were a little short of personnel at that time. And uh, it was an uphill battle because I continued to teach. All my coaches continued to teach. And the rest of the teams in our league were not teaching school. And that became a real thorn to me. Uh, and our our schedule started to get tougher. Uh, we weren't playing teams like Baldwin Wallace and Defiance anymore. Like when I played there, all of a sudden it was San Diego State and it was Syracuse and it was Purdue, and we survived somehow and won a few games. But I always felt when I was there, had the administration wanted to help us, we could have been a lot better. Don Nealon is our guest here on the Toledo Blade Falcon flashback. The Falcons, uh, during Coach Nealon's years, the most seasons were winning seasons along the lines of uh, seven and three, a six four and one, a six three and one. Only one losing season in your tenure, but uh, after the '76 season, it was time to move on for Don Nealon. Talk about that. Bo was a great friend of mine. And I uh, would go up there in the spring and watch him practice a lot. Anyhow, after that season, I called Bo, and I said, you know, Coach, I'm running faster than I've ever run in my life, but I'm not getting anywhere. He said, uh, why don't you come up here with me? He said, Gary Muller's going to get the Illinois job. I'd love to have you on my staff. So uh, I went home and told my wife, hey, gang, we're off to Michigan, man. I can't wait. And so uh, I was very fortunate to go up there with Bo for three years. That three years at Michigan really, really helped me. 
because, you know, I was young when I got that job at Bowling Green. And like I say, uh, with the teaching responsibilities with all my coaches, we had to work till 2 in the morning, sometimes even later than that, because I couldn't meet with them during the day. And uh, so when I went to Michigan, I, I felt I was going into one of the best coaching staffs in the country and, and one of the very best football programs in the country. And I found out the stuff we were doing at Bowling Green was pretty much the same stuff they did at Michigan. Our uh, uh, Dwight Perry's principles and directives that I had used all through coaching, Bo Schembechler was still using. His player-coach relationship, his player-player relationship, all that stuff. Uh, Bo learned that stuff from Dwight and Woody Hayes. And uh, anyhow, so I became a very confident guy at Michigan. I said to myself, if I ever get a chance to be a head coach again, I'm going to be daggone good. And lo and behold, uh, three years uh, up there, and the phone rang and said, West Virginia said, hey, we want you to come down here and be our coach. Never wrote, never wrote a letter, never made a phone call for the job. It was amazing. I don't know how in the devil they picked me, but they did. And I ended up there at West Virginia, and it turned out to be a, a great thing because uh, – we built a new stadium, and uh, we added on to it and built a fantastic weight room and, and an indoor facility and new practice fields and my fingerprints on all of them. And when you guys come down there, you're going to come into probably the finest venue in college football. It was great to catch up with College Football Hall of Famer and former BGSU head coach Don Nealon. That was our interview from September of 2011. Of course, Coach Nealon, took over as head coach in 1968, and one of the best players on the team his first three years was Phil Villapiano, who would end up being drafted in the second round by the Oakland Raiders in the 1970 NFL draft, would go on to star for them and the Buffalo Bills, and was part of the Raiders' Super Bowl XI championship team. And I got to speak with Phil last year for one of our Falcon flashbacks. I started by asking him how he ended up at Bowling Green, and strangely enough, he said it had more to do with basketball than football. My father was a basketball coach at Asbury Park High School, which was the big high school in our area. And he used to go up to the NIT and scout the colleges and, you know, get his, you know, help him with his, uh, you know, his ideas and all that, you know. So, uh, uh, and my father just loved basketball. So we go up there one year, and I can't remember the year. You'd probably do, Todd. And uh, the Fighting Falcons were playing, whoever they were playing, and they beat them up. And uh, and the whole school must have been there. I remember all the, you know, the, the school spirit. And I and and then when uh, then when it came time for me to go to college. I never forgot that. And my father said, well, Phil, you know, because back in those days, recruiting wasn't a big deal, you know. So he said, well, you know, where, where, where would you like to try to go to school? I said, how about that Bowling Green? And he goes, yeah, why don't, why don't we try that? So uh sent some film. You know, we called out there, and they said send some film. And Don Nalen, who was the assistant coach at the time, and I guess he had out-of-staters, and uh, he, he saw my film, and invited us out, and next thing I knew, you know, I, I, I came out. About two hours later, I was a Falcon. So it, it just was uh, it was all about basketball. Phil, when you came to BG, Bob Gibson was the head coach, but for your last three years, it was 
Don Nealon, who took over as head coach. Take me back to that transition. Yeah, that was really something. You know, uh, I wasn't really used to, uh, you know, uh, every coach I ever had was like an old coach who'd been there forever. And uh, we get there, and um, I'm a freshman, and, and Bob Gibson's a coach, and, you know, I'm trying to impress him because he was a head coach, and I was thinking about, you know, my sophomore year, and then, Lo and behold, you know, my sophomore year, uh, Don got the job. So uh, it, it was, uh, I mean, and he's the guy who recruited me. So it was really kind of fun and it, it was good for me. But I just remember, you know, uh, uh, you know, I don't remember as much, but here's something, one thing I do remember. I remember we were going to play Marshall and they had the longest losing streak in the country. And we're getting on the bus, and the word got out that Coach Nalen was going to leave. And, you know, I never forgot the feeling I had of, like, oh, my God. And I think, you know, the word got out because we were playing so well under him. It was like, we were, you know, we're going to lose our coach. And I remember that. And we go down there and lose to Marshall. And I swear to God, it was because – However that rumor got started, you know, that Don was going to leave us, that, that hurt. Now, Gibby, you know, he was the, you know, I never really got to play for him. So that one didn't, didn't hurt me as bad. But um, just to think about Don leaving was, was, not, was not good. And then he never did, but, which was good, you know. Phil, your senior season, 1970, was not a good year for BG, unfortunately. Just two wins that snapped a streak of 15 straight winning seasons for the program. It was a tough way for you to go out, and it may have been, however, a turning point for Coach Don Nealon and how he did things, and uh, they would then string together six more winning seasons thereafter. But take me back through your senior season there. Well, yeah, and I, I, I you know, not to not to point any fingers, but. You know, um, when I look back, we had a wonderful freshman class, and we had some really good athletes. And I, I, I just think the the program was a little too brutal. And uh, and the guys, I mean, we were we were banging up our own guys, and 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 guys were quitting the team that should never quit the team, and uh, they, you know, it just wasn't fun. It was. Uh, you know, it was an old mentality, I think. And, uh, you know, you had to be pretty pretty tough to stick it out. And uh, we lost a bunch of good players that I think if they were coached the right way, we could have been really good. I remember our freshman year going up and playing Michigan, and we played them to a 6-5 ball game, Michigan's freshman. And, we, you know, we were good, and we were tough. And uh, it was just such a shame to see our – it, it just fell apart, and I, I blame it on it, – it was we, – we beat up our own guys, and, and, the, and the coaches just weren't uh, – you know, it just they, – they weren't making it fun, and that's that was a shame. And, you know, for me, I just loved football so much. I, it didn't matter to me, but I just I, – I, I saw the program going downhill, and we couldn't do anything about it because we didn't have the people. We didn't have the skilled people to win the games. And that was, that's what happened. And, uh, I remember my, my brother was three years younger than me. 
and you know um, they 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 got there and they must have they must have changed some things around because it was only a couple of years after we left that Bowling Green got back on the winning ways. But you know my uh, my senior year was a pathetic. They they got right back, but you know. So, you know, I was just out in Oakland this past weekend. We had a, a Raider alumni weekend. And we went out there and we watched. I watched the practice. And nobody even wore a helmet. They had no pads on. They were going full speed. But nobody got touched. And that's the way football is nowadays. I think you probably know. No time. You know, with the concussions, well, especially at the pro level, with all the money they're paying these guys. They can't afford to lose a guy in practice. And I don't know, but that's the way it was. But I think uh, the, you know, Bowling Green and the way we practiced and the way we hit, you had to lose people because you, know, you just couldn't hold up. And, you know, football is almost like playing roulette, you know, Russian roulette. You know, sooner or later, you know, if you hit so much, you're going to get hurt. And I, and I think maybe Don learned that. I don't know what the practices were like, you know, later on. But, you know, uh, if, when you lose all your good guys, you, you beat them all up. I mean, I remember, hey, Todd, remember one year I had to go into running back because we beat all of our running backs up. You know, that that might have been uh, my junior year. So, um, yeah, it just it just wasn't right. You know, it's 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 very difficult uh, that that old mentality. I think I like the new mentality better. Phil, going into your senior year, there was a lot of speculation that you could be drafted, and I know you were hoping to make an impression on the field. Uh, the team wasn't very good, though, so take me to that time and making an impression and some opportunities that you ended up getting to get in front of NFL folks. Yeah, Todd, that was really nutty because, you know, you want to have a good year. You know, um, you, you, you want to be on a winning team, and we, we stunk. And but uh, you know maybe because our offense was so bad, maybe because the defense was on the field almost the whole game, you know they got they got to see us play, <laughs> they got to see me play, and uh, I, I, you know so I kind of was feeling like oh my God, look at this, you know this thing is not going to happen. I mean I, you know I was hearing from a lot of teams, but then I always thought you needed to be on a winning team to get drafted, but. Um, I remember the day when Joy Perry called me into his office and Phil said, Phil, we got you a spot on the blue team at the at the uh, the blue-gray game. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be in a, a bowl game. And and I went down there, and I, I, I had a, one of my best games that I ever had, made a ton of tackles. And then I came back, and uh, and about three or four days later, he called me out of his office again. He said, hey, Phil, they want you at the senior bowl. So between when those two things happened, that really elevated me, and that's I think that's why you know I got to be drafted in the second round because it certainly wasn't from uh, our, our our season because that wasn't so good. Phil, I wonder if you could uh, relive some of the memories that stick out from your time at BGSU. Oh yeah, I mean my God, I I, I just loved playing Toledo. I loved playing Miami. I you know all the coach. It didn't take very much to get me excited to play football. So, and and one thing, uh, you know, Coach Nalen was good at, it was giving pep talks. And uh, Elliot Lusa, Elliot used to like being there. He was also very good at it. I mean, those coaches, they could get me so fired up. I'm, I, and I would go 
you know, a Toledo or a Miami. Oh my God, I I couldn't I I couldn't wait to play, and uh, you know, just tackle everybody. And you know, one of my most fun years was my junior year when I was playing with Joe Green and you know Tom Lloyd and Tom Rolletti and you know we had a really good defense, really good. And uh, I remember going down to West Texas State, and back in those days, the scouting reports were, you know, they put the guy's last name down, but you didn't know how big he was. You didn't know how fast he was. So we go down there, and we're playing against Dwayne Thomas and Rocky Thompson, but it was like a track meet. I was like, well, you know, at least you could have warned us what we were getting into down here, you know, because they were a really good team, really fast, really powerful and, and, and that, we lost the game, but it was a fun game to be in because, you know, you could test yourself out against some better players. And, uh, you know, we, we I think, um, yeah, I remember we played, our, probably our biggest team we played as seniors was Utah State, which was good. And uh, that, you know, that was a, that was, that was a fun game too. And, um, you know, I just, I just remember games. I mean, I, I remember Don Nottingham. Oh my God. Never tackled a guy that was as powerful as that guy, and it was me and him all day long for three years, and uh, that was I think uh, he probably did some damage to me because he he hit so hard, and you know uh, Chuck Ealy, I remember playing against him when you know that what what a scrambler what a player and I remember we had him down at Bowling Green I think it was my junior year we got him beat and. Uh, this guy comes in and the wind is blowing like crazy and they, the wind stops and he kicks the field goal. So anyway, uh, I think that I forgot the, the kicker's name, but what a, what a game that was. So, Hey, all, all the games against the mid American teams, I, I could get really fired up for those. I, I used to enjoy playing those. The Toledo kickers name, by the way, that beat Bowling Green on that last second kick in 1969 was Ken Kratz. Also Don Nottingham. Phil was talking about there, played at Kent State. Phil, before we let you go, I'm sure folks would be interested to know how often you get back to Bowling Green. Well, I was there. I, was there to, I tried to come back for the Sharpie shootout every year. You know, Glenn Sharp was a, a good friend, and, you know, and I tried to give the uh, the athletic department or the football team some money. So I tried to come back out there for the Sharpie shootout. And then, you know, I, I used to come – do a, a game or a, a game every year. I tried to make it, but now um, I'm back into the pros quite a bit. I, I usually go to Oakland a couple of times, and you know I finished up in Buffalo, so I try to get to Buffalo once. And then you know if the Bowling Green is is winning, oh, you know they they get on a winning track. I, I usually try to make a game, you know, and a homecoming game is always a lot of fun. Now, Phil didn't make it back for homecoming last year, but hopefully we can get him in town come September 14th for the homecoming game this year with Louisiana Tech. And that'll do it for our Turn Back the Clock to the 1960s edition of the Ziggy Cast. Next Thursday, we'll have another episode, and we'll focus on the 1970s. And again, you can follow along also at bgsufalcons.com as they do a decade-by-decade synopsis of the program and we in conjunction here on the Ziggy cast will focus on the 70s as well next week until then this is Todd Walker saying I Ziggy Zumba
Thanks for listening to the BGSU Ziggy Cast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.